Hello and welcome to episode 132 of the True Achievements podcast. I'm Dave. Rich isn't here again. I think he's too busy to join us today, but we have Jack. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, yourself? I'm doing very well as well, thanks. Okay, and then we are joined by a new person today. We have Sam, who you will no doubt have heard on the TA Playlist podcast. How are you, Sam? I'm good. Hello, hello. Nice to be here. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> You've got some super secret news, which we're eager to talk about soon. So oh, yeah. let's jump jump straight into what we've been playing. I'll just rattle through what I've done. So there was a new DLC pack dropped for my favorite game in the world ever, Aero. It's, um, I don't know if you watch Twitch and Mixer and stuff. Have you seen Monster Cat on there? It's always mm-hmm. high up mm-hmm. on viewers playing random dance tunes. They've linked up with them, so they've brought out DLC that's three new songs. Mm-hmm. It's nothing groundbreaking. It's, it's good tunes, similar kind of gameplay. There's a little glitch, though, because they decided to retro add in. If you play through the normal game, there's like secrets on each level you have to shoot. And they decided to retro add in secrets for the last DLC pack, which released without them. So one of the achievements is a bit broken at the minute. I know they're fixing it because I spoke to them on Twitter. So if you've been playing it and haven't unlocked that, hopefully it should be fixed soon. I know it's working on the PlayStation, but they had some kind of difficulties sorting it on the Xbox. But it's coming soon. But yeah, if you like Aero, well worth it. I think it's four quid the DLC pack. So if you like it, jump on that. Cheapo, three tunes and 500 gamer score as well. Once they've fixed that broken achievement. And been carrying on with Madden. I've got one achievement left now, which is just for playing through. Oh, you've got to win a match with every team. So that shouldn't take too long. The game's not really very different to last year's. Like, it, it doesn't seem like anything groundbreaking in it. I know that. So like when they release these sports games, you know, it's hard for them to make a, a ton of changes and make it vastly different. I'm sure people who play Madden loads and, you know, all the different bits of it and understand all the mechanics will notice little bits that they've changed, like animations and stuff, but I don't play it enough to notice that. The only thing I did notice, the long shot mode, which is the story mode, is absolutely atrocious this year. <laughs> Like, I know that story in sports games and stuff, it's never going to be, like, gone with the wind or anything like that. But they just added... It's like they've got the room of writers together and gone, right, what's every cliche we can think of, you know, for a sports film? And they've they've put all these ideas together and rather than, like, editing it down and trying to come up with something that was coherent, it's like they've just gone... Everything's in there. <laughs> so, 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 some weird things I noticed at the end of the last year's one, which again, it wasn't an amazing story, but it was enjoyable. Do you know, like if you're happy to play sports games and it was something different to do and new. At the end of last year's one, you made a decision. You said, right, you see, you got drafted and you have to pick what team in the NFL you go to. So, naturally, you think, when I start this year's game, I'm going to be playing for the team who I chose to go to last year. No, they just suddenly wash over in an intro and say it was a bad year last year, and now you're not playing for anybody again. <laughs> so like you're back to underdog level. You've got to yeah, work so your way like, out. Yeah, so they've gone straight back to that, and then it's like every single thing you can think of 
like you're the underdog. There's like a an estranged sister who suddenly appears out of nowhere. You've got a coach who's ill. You've got another coach who's like a real hard nosed guy, but really he just wants a son to love because he never had a child of his own. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a, a rich business tycoon wants to buy the the team or the college or whatever it is and merge it with their arch rivals and the community coming together and rising up and just it's so bad it's like every little weird little cliche that you could it possibly sounds like get a in a Netflix sport. show it's, it's no but it's, it's, it's just not good and it's not coherent at all it's yeah. like it's, it sounds like it was written by a bunch of people in a boardroom rather than like a dedicated writer like they've had on like because some of the some of the journeys that have been in these sports games have been pretty good but it doesn't sound like they've actually brought on an actual writer like it sounds like they've just kind of thrown some stuff together yeah and it's really weird and there's loads of weird unexplained things going on it like i say i'm not expecting anything amazing from the journey or this long shot mode but mm. At least make it. You're going to have like an underdog, you know, goes to being amazing and gets to the best team. It's just the way a sports story is going to go, generally. Mm. I, I suppose the issue is that. they want to give that underdog experience to like the new players as well. And if the new players haven't played last year's iteration where Longshot came into it, they're not going to see that underdog approach. Yes, yeah, but they've like last year as well. There was two characters. You played as a guy called Wade, who was like the main guy. And it was his friend who was coming up with him. And they kind of split it this year into two bits. So they both got their own kind of stories going on. And, and just randomly, one of them's like a number one musician in Finland. Like, what? why is that important? Why is him releasing a song in Finland? It, it, it's kind of mentioned at the start when he sits with a guitar outside a club, again, randomly for no reason. And then he sings a song at the end and it's like, why does he need, why did we need any of this? It's like, like they've gone to the actor who played him and, he, and said, do you want to come back? And he went, yeah, all right. And but kind of plug a bit of my music in there. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just so odd. But yeah, it's Madden. If you enjoy Madden, it's an easy completion. So yeah. And then I played another American football game this week and it, it's just, oh my days. It's, so bad it's called maximum football 2018 it was from the team or the guy i don't know if it's a team i can't imagine it's a team it's from the whoever made last year i think it was canadian football which um it's just like i don't know it's like ps1 style graphics and really odd button choices and really ugly menus and stuff it, there's not there's not really anything redeeming about it except it's about 40 minutes for a thousand gamers but <laughs> <laughs> that's literally the only reason to play it was it more it's coherent fun. than the long shot mode though in uh, <laughs> madden <laughs> I not I don't know. just playing the game the button choices and stuff were really awkward for me like i did and it was one of them where it's American football, but the graphics are that bad. You couldn't really tell who had the ball and where it was oh, going and stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> just, I, mean, just, I don't play a lot of sport, but I'm pretty sure that's that's pretty key to know where the ball is. Jim, did, you, did either of you play that horse riding game, horse racing, was it? No, I've seen the screenshots for that, definitely. Yeah, no, I didn't. N64-esque. Yeah, well, probably the graphics like are like comparable to that, basically. It's just it's not great. <laughs> But well, that's it for what I played this week. So it's been a, a good week for scoring, and but not really a great week for gaming, unfortunately. But Sam, you've been playing some games. 
hopefully you've had a better ch- experience than me. What have you been playing? Yeah, so a bit of a theme with me. Been quite a busy, busy <laughs> couple of weeks. And I've been playing through, so I played through Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, uh, so the 2013 reboot, but the uh, Xbox One edition of it. I actually had the 360 and the Xbox One version sitting in my backlog for ages, and I just, I tried it once and I never really got into it, but I wanted to push through it this time uh, for reasons which will become clear. Um, but I actually enjoyed it quite a lot more. I think, uh, I don't think it starts very strongly, but um, it, it's it's okay. It's It's a little bit... I, I found it a little bit sort of bit too grim that first Tomb Raider game. It was just a little bit yeah. too kind of miserable, like all stormy and grey and everyone's <laughs> miserable. So it was just a bit when you're thinking like, oh, is it going to be like Uncharted and it's going to be all sort of, you know, it's it's got like emotional ups and downs, but it's quite bright and breezy. It's quite a lot of jokes. And this was just a bit like... Just stuck on a damp island, aren't you? Yeah, so. exactly. A bit damp, a bit damp. Sounds like but, my um, life in Manchester. Well, yeah, exactly. Like I need to get away from English weather. Like... It just looked like a normal English day on that island. But yeah, so so that was okay. I, I didn't bother with any of the multiplayer because I haven't got the time at the moment to, to grind out some of those horrible multiplayer achievements in there. Um, you have to you have to get quite far into it to, to finish off the list, but I did okay. But then I moved straight on to Rise of the Tomb Raider, which I also hadn't played, but I, I went and did that over on PlayStation like a traitor. But yeah, that was a lot better, I thought, and um, a bit more kind of... A bit more fun, a bit more kind of a James Bondy, Indiana Jonesy kind of silly story, but kept you engaged and stuff. And the stealth was slightly better, so that was all good. Did you find the controls slightly better as well? So I've yeah. recently played Rise of the Tomb Raider as well, and I jumped back to the Definitive Edition, which I've yeah. never really played before. Yeah. And just some of the key button like changes that they'd made between the two, I thought were made it a lot more playable absolutely yeah they they really polished it up i mean i definitely noticed that like i you know the second i i dropped to tomb raider 2013 I, I went straight on to rise and immediately you can tell the difference i wasn't sort of randomly falling off of the cliff when i'm pretty sure i pressed the button properly in, in, in tomb raider and yeah a lot of stuff like that a lot of quality of life improvements and just a little bit more um bit more polished yeah just just fewer animation glitches and stuff like that still still a little bit glitchy from time to time but um but overall pretty good and i quite enjoyed the i played through the um croft manor dlc as well um which i thought was really good it was just like a silly throwaway um extra kind of mode that reminded me of the original tomb raider tutorial bit and there's a a silly zombie mode thing in there as well where you go into like a nightmare and you end up having to like take on hordes of weird zombies while you're trying to get lara to wake up really weird but um so kind of enjoyable um nothing compared to like zombie mode in call of duty or anything like that but it was it was okay it worked um but yeah so i've been playing both of those because i got to play shadow of the tomb raider last week and i haven't been able to talk about it until now because there's been an embargo on it but yeah really good coming straight off of rise i think once again they've really polished up some of the combat and some of the movement it flows a lot better than it did before and yeah, just generally, it's a lot more beautiful and a lot more kind of kind of interesting as well. So, what I played was a sequence in the Peruvian jungle. So, some of the videos they've been releasing recently since Mark played Tomb Raider at E3, it's all been based on like the Peruvian jungle section, which is like the the main section of the game. I think the structure is going to be quite similar, where you get like a kind of prologue bit, which is set in a different location, like Rise, and then the, all of the rest of the game is going to be set in 
the Peruvian jungle like uh, like it was all set in Siberia before, and that's going to be like the main the main hub. So quite a lot of it's same as before. Um, you're still going to be using similar kind of techniques to get around, still rope arrows to kind of get your way across the jungle. Collectibles and challenges are fairly similar. Still going to be challenge tombs and crypts and all that kind of stuff. So nothing drastically different. It's definitely going to feel comfortable for, for people who are used to playing through the first two games. But it certainly feels a lot more like Lara is like a predator rather than just a, just prey. Like the stealth's been updated so that you actually can really move with the stealth rather than just kind of hiding in one corner and picking people off. And then things normally just going horribly wrong and you end up having to shoot everyone anyway. There's a bit more like fluidity to it. So it kind of reminded me of um, sort of Assassin's Creed 4 and 3 a bit. Obviously a lot more polished than that, but a bit more like you actually stalk through the undergrowth and you can kind of hide up against a wall where there's like jungle overgrowth on on the side of a wall. Um, You can cover yourself in mud and kind of blend into that, work your way into the kind of enemy ranks and draw out individual people pick them off, get back in and, and take over and take off another person. So yeah, it reminded me a lot more of, of Assassin's Creed in that way, in that you were being proactive and creative about how you resolved it through stealth rather than just having to either, like I said, like sit back and pick people off or just go straight into the fight and, and shoot everyone. And it seemed to me like going in and shooting everyone was less of an option as well this time. I think, I think certainly in the kind of opening sequences, probably to get you used to the stealth combat, they made it a lot more dangerous for you to just kind of run in. So I was really having to make use of all the stealth options and stuff. And that was actually a lot more fun. It felt more, yeah, it felt like more you were in control and you were kind of making the gameplay what you wanted it to be rather than just kind of sitting back and letting the kind of scripted sequence play out. It felt a bit more organic. So, so that was really good. And yeah, story-wise as well, it's it's a lot more interesting because I found before that because Lara was mostly on her own and maybe speaking to people on the radio sometimes before, like I didn't really get a good sense of her character. I didn't wasn't massively invested. Like you got little diary entries whenever you went to a camp, but because I was at the camp, like there to mainly like up do like do up my skills and do up my um my guns and stuff, I wasn't really listening, um, and I never really kind of got into her character but this time around um jonah who's been in the last two games he's actually traveling with you a lot more so he um he actually gets involved in some of the puzzles like some of the, some of the parts of the puzzles need two people to push push something or pull something up or whatever and it means that he actually talks to you while you're while you're wandering around so lara actually has someone to bounce off of a bit more right. which kind of makes her a bit more interesting as well like she's um yeah, she's like struggling with a lot of stuff. Like she might have accidentally caused the end of the world, which is a bit stressful. Um, so, uh, so Jonah's there to kind of bounce off like, well, you know, it's not necessarily all about you and, you know, maybe there's more to this. It doesn't have to be you all the time. And and that the game really like hammers that home that it's like, it's all about like Lara. Too often Lara thinks that she has to do it all herself and the game kind of forces you to be like, well, you're going to need Jonah for this puzzle. So seems like it humanizes her a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. That was something Mark picked up quite a bit, wasn't it? Yeah. From his time that he kind of mentioned that. Yeah, because he asked me about that because he said um, like he saw a lot of that in the cutscenes, but he wondered whether that kind of carried on. So it was good to see that even in the gameplay, like it's not that kind of you like you run through the gameplay and then you watch a video and like the story's kind of separate it's much more like integrated you feel a bit more kind of invested in it as you go so that's good i'm gonna have a preview article and a video going up later on today hopefully but the other main thing 
that's come up in the news um, this week is that um, they've added customizable difficulty. So um, I really like this because I'm rubbish at combat in most games anyway, but particularly in Tomb Raider as well. I'm just not very, I don't know why, but I'm not very, um, not very good at picking people off with headshots and uh, like staying calm when everything kicks off. So um, so what they've done is they've made it so that rather than just pick easy, medium, hard or whatever, you can change the difficulty of the combat separately from the difficulty of the exploration and the difficulty of the puzzles. So I was able to put puzzles up on hard and exploration up on hard, um, but keep the combat easy. And what that meant was the combat kind of felt like it always does like in, in an easy mode, you know, it's just, just uh, people take a lot more damage and you take a lot less damage and stuff like that. But yeah. with the, um, with exploration, what it did was um, depending on whether you go easy, medium or hard, it kind of gradually fades the like white paint that you get on all of the ledges. So if you've got it on hard, you can't really see where you need to jump to next necessarily. So it just makes it a little bit more perilous to kind of take the next jump because you can't necessarily lock into exactly where you got to go, um, which which is the kind of stuff I, I kind of prefer anyway. And then in terms of the puzzles, um, I mean, puzzles generally... Um, uh, more complex this time around it seems like they've they've really tried to make more kind of complex multi-threaded puzzles for you to have to go through if you have that on hard then you don't get any hints at all like lara doesn't say anything and and it's not very obvious what you need to do but if you've got it on easy if you go into like your i forget what it's called but basically your eagle vision uh, i know that's the assassin's creed name <laughs> for it but you know it's the same thing but um but yeah, you um you can actually see not only which parts of the puzzle are like parts that you need to worry about, but it will show in yellow things that are things you need to keep an eye on and in blue things you need to push. So you can really like make the puzzles a lot easier if that's not your thing by it, it basically walks you through it and says, right, if you push this blue thing, then that's going to make that yellow thing move. And then Lara will be saying like, oh, I just need to press this button. Basically, you can you can make the game focused on whatever you want it to be which is which is kind of cool i think that there's no reason not to include that in games and you know if people want a super hard experience they can still do that so yeah that was that was kind of fun that um, does sound like a, a really cool feature do you know because yeah. i'd probably be the opposite to you like the puzzle solving and stuff i'd do my head in yeah exactly yeah yeah but so like i really had a challenge with the combat and you know you see you can kind of tailor it to exactly that sounds like a really cool feature yeah, I think I think we're going to see more and more of that. I have started to notice it, especially among indie games and and adventure games and stuff. A lot more of that kind of like, how hard do you really want this to be? Kind of thing. I think we'll probably see a bit more of that. But um, but yeah, the other thing is, I did ask because um, I spoke to the narrative director and the lead gameplay designer while I was there, and I asked them about the achievement lists, and they didn't really. Neither of them worked on that, so I didn't get any like <laughs> full detailed scoops or anything. They did mention that. Apparently, there's going to be one significantly hard achievement based on the like new difficulty setting, settings that they've got. And what I did notice, um, what they mentioned at the beginning of my preview was, don't pick this super hard mode because it's got permadeath. Um, so obviously, if you're previewing, you don't want permadeath. But but what that made me think is maybe that's what that achievement is. So that super hard achievement that he mentioned, maybe it's to get through the whole game without dying, um, which would be a lot harder certainly in terms of the single player stuff we've seen that's a lot harder than than we've seen before so yeah that might be a bit of a pain but that that might not be the case maybe it's something slightly easier than that but i would be wary that maybe there might be a like play the whole game on hard and also you can't die mode to get through 
Yeah, that sounds like an absolute nightmare. <laughs> it does sound cool. Like, when's the game coming out properly? When- uh, September fourteenth. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll probably be picking it up, which is probably as glowing a recommendation from the preview I can give because it's taken me several years to play either of the other two. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's all good. All right, Jack, you didn't play anything on your tag. No. You have played some streams. Played anything but done some streams. Yeah, so we start off on Tuesday with two games, as usual. Uh, first game was Eight to Glory, um, which I didn't have any idea what it was about, as per usual. But it's the official game of PBR, which is an official boar riding game. Oh, I saw this come up. Which was just... It was a bit bizarre, really. <laughs> so, it's sort of a game itself to uh, describe the gameplay. It's literally boar riding and V8 in the title. I didn't realise. Um, apparently in boar riding, the goal is to stay on the ball for eight seconds. And at eight seconds, that's just the cutoff point, And then you get a score. And the higher your score, you'll be ranked against the other riders in the contest. And you'll do like four rounds or whatever. And the cumulative total will determine the winner out of those. Um, the game itself, it was basically three main parts to it, and it was all a huge quick time event. Um, you st- started in a pen, and there was a little slider moving from left to right, and it was, you know, like in the golf games where you've got to time your button push to get the perfect swing or whatever. Right. You effectively had to do that three times in a row, and the cumulative score of that determined your grip on the bull. And then the pen opened, and there was a circle underneath the ball, which kind of enclosed in. And at a certain point, that turn orange, and you'd have to tap the RB button. And that had happened over and over again, and you just had to keep doing that. And occasionally, it'd say, oh, you need to lean left, or you need to lean right on using the right stick. And you'd do that. Then after about five seconds, it turned into Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> you had buttons moving down the screen in the shape of the D-pad. Um, or not the D-pad, but the, uh, the actual action buttons on the controller. And you either had to push the A, X, B, or Y button when it was over the corresponding zone, and you'd be ranked on either a miss, a good, or a perfect. The better you did that, it moved a bar at the top of the screen, which had the player on one side and the bull on the other, and you had to kind of try and fill up as much of that bar as possible. And then after eight seconds, it all ended, and you got a score. <laughs> It was just bizarre, though. It, I didn't realise it was just kind of eight seconds of ball riding. It's just me not being <laughs> up to date on my sports, obviously. But um, it, it was interesting, though. It was kind of better than I imagined it would be. <laughs> you must have low expectations. Uh, yeah, I think my expectations were kind of that American maximum football game you played. Mm-hmm. But graphically, yeah, it looked very good. It looked like they actually like spent a bit of time with the the visuals and stuff, but then no time with the gameplay. <laughs> yeah, it, it did, um, and it was like they had um, like official riders and stuff, and you could pick your different riders. Was, we played the campaign mode, and you seemed to dot around from lo- or dot around from location to location, um, but was pretty much the same after you'd played one tournament. You'd be in against some other riders. There were four um, different events, and it was just for some of those events, and you either won or you didn't win. And with it being eight seconds, it didn't really last long either. 
So I don't know if there's much replayability there, but um, it seemed quite easy in terms of gamer score. Though in the hour we managed ten achievements without looking at the list for 120 gamer score. Um, and one very odd thing it had actually, we didn't figure out how this worked, but it gave you items. So if you won a tournament, you'd just be awarded random items, and we'd get like a pair of used cowboy boots or a, <laughs> a used bull rope. Which I don't know what that's for at all. It, it was just bizarre. I don't know how that factored into it. But <laughs> it sounds like maybe someone just went, "Look, can you just? They need some kind of a reward. Can you just kind of chuck some stuff in? So, yeah, right, old cowboy boots. Like looking around his room, like, yeah, I got some old and cowboy was, boots. I can do that. There was um, so the, the items as well. You were awarded them in like card. Well, you awarded them in card packs, and you had to open the card packs. So it was almost like they'd looked at a sports game like FIFA and gone, ah, <laughs> this has got Ultimate Team and stuff in it. This has got card packs you open. People love that. We've got to incorporate <laughs> those somehow. I've just looked you'll at have, a um, screenshot and gone, yeah. oh, yeah, I think I understand how that works. Exactly. You'll have people on YouTube doing, like, pack openings for it, won't you? <laughs> I'm going to be opening 10,000 bull riding packs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. Right, then up after that, we played Vigor, which is a new title by the people that developed Daisy. And it's currently in game preview, so it doesn't have achievements yet, but it will have them soon. And this was one of the surprise E3 announcements. It's one of the last games they announced, I think it was in the after show. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's a third person shooter, and it's a battle royale game in a sense. But it's almost like PUBG meets the division. So there's some crossover between the games. And it's like the Dark Zone in the division, really. So you have a hub world where you can go and choose your loadout, pick your weapons, upgrade your character, upgrade skills. Um, You have resources that you can either deconstruct, uh, then subsequently upgrade weapons and stuff like that. After you've picked all your loadout, you go to a map and you can pick a location. You'll travel to that location. It'll drop you in at a entry point. And then an airdrop will happen at some point in the map or you can just explore the map and try and find other weapons. Um, if you find weapons or good stuff, you then try and extract from the map. And you've got to get back to one of those points where it dropped you in it. If you do extract successfully, then you get to keep all of that stuff. But if you come across anybody else and get into a firefight and you do die... You then lose everything that you came into the map with. It's a bit Just of risk like and a, reward. You've got to take yeah. good stuff in to try and defeat the other players in case you do come across other players. But you've got for the chance to lose that stuff if you do take good stuff in. Was there any kind of like trading and stuff? Like I know everybody you you met who just turned into a gunfight, but do you know if you can actually like trade or like I don't know how the survival bit works because I know you're taking stuff back and storing guns and whatnot, but. Can you like construct stuff and then maybe trade it? I'm honestly people? not too sure, to be honest. I don't know if you can squad up. Um, I did see two people working together in a map, but I don't know if they just independently decided uh, we're going to work together and just kill anybody we come across. Um, it does seem like something that would be there. We maybe just missed it. Yeah, oh, this is, it might be something they plan. It's, it yeah. seems like that's the way it should be. Like you take resources back, and then you can maybe construct something, and mm-hmm. then you could possibly trade that if you were low on meds with somebody else later on, or something like that. Yeah, it seemed um, nice and detailed, though, and lots to it. So the skill tree seemed quite in depth. Uh, you had 
systems like tags and sprays, those aren't introduced, um, aren't available yet, but will be coming soon. I guess that could be um, a good tactic, maybe spraying buildings that you've been into or something like that. Hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. Um, that's quite good though, but as I said, game preview, so no achievements as yet, but they'll be coming soon. Um, and then on Thursday, I'm going to talk about these games a little bit, but um, Ollie actually played these, so I've um, racked his brains on these. Got some quick <laughs> thoughts. Um, so first up was Jump Gunners, and it looked tricky. It was a kind of Super Meat Boy-esque platformer with combat elements thrown in. Mike Biffle has actually called it the child of Towerfall and Worms. Mm -hmm. um, he's got, got four-player local co-op, and when you're platforming, you've got a jump and a double jump, but the kind of main crux of it is you have weapons, and you can use these to propel yourself across the map. So if you do a double jump, you can then aim your gun downward and shoot the floor, which will propel you further upward. Or you could aim it and shoot the wall and propel yourself kind of sideways across the map. You've got to try and use that to your advantage to get around. And there are a couple of different modes in it. I think Ollie tried two of them. The first one is kind of a single player mode where you're placed in an arena and you've got a series of targets. You've got to just move around and destroy all of the targets. And the second mode he tried was the combat mode, which is more of a classic mode you're in an arena with bots and players and you're working together to destroy enemies uh, it looked quite neat though the pixelated style so kind of an old school looking vibe to it mm, yeah i thought it i was just looking at some screenshots it does look like old school worms um like yeah that's the kind of cool but to be honest if it's if it's anything like towerful i probably won't be able to won't be able to get my head around it because that's a that's a fast-paced game so yeah if mike biffle's saying that it's kind of like towerful then um I might, I might struggle with that, but it looks cool. Yeah, it looked um, quite interesting from what I saw anyway. And in his hour with it, Ollie managed to unlock three achievements for 90 gamer score. And then up after that, he played a little bit of One More Dungeon. Um, and in this game, you're tasked to reach the final level of level within a deep dungeon and destroy obelisks. And it's, this one's very old school. Um, and it's an FPS and roguelike game. Uh, it's procedurally generated levels. And Arlie's thoughts, um, there's not really too much to it. And in kind of 15 minutes or so, it felt like he'd really experienced most of what the game had to offer, which I think is kind of an issue with a lot of these procedurally generated mm. games that are coming out now. But with the generation, you expect it. It's kind of like infinite possibilities, infinite gameplay, <laughs> but... That only works to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people do that well. Like they use like procedural generation to say, okay, like I can like generate out all of the kind of basic environmental stuff and then I'll build on that with some interesting gameplay and stuff, like um enter the gungeon and, and things like that. But sometimes you get these ones where it's just like I can make a game by just kind of like running a running a program and maybe not really <clears throat> spending the time to build it up beyond that. Um, yeah, yeah they, they seem to have about six assets as well, and then they mm. kind of procedurally generate, mixing three of them together. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, I mean, I I'm just looking it, at some some screenshots now, and it looks horrendous. <laughs> it looked like um, it looked like really old school Doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like the way that the dungeons were built. I don't, I don't know. He, he quit after fifteen minutes. Came in the chat was just like, can, can you play something else? So, so he did. Okay, and that was the streams for this week, and that's zero achievements for zero gamers scoring that last game in the uh, fifteen minutes. And next week we've got on Tuesday uh, Road to Ballhalla and Overcooked Two, which I'm looking forward to. Mm, Overcooked, yeah. Been hearing lots of good things about that. And Thursday, we've got Flipping Death and Dead Cells, which is another one I'm very much looking forward to. Seeing some people playing this on the PC and it looks very good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. There's been a bit of controversy this week, which I think turns up in our questions later on. Um, but yeah, yeah um, but generally it seems to be scoring really highly. I think it was when it on the day it released, it was on like 90s on Metacritic. So yeah, should be good. Okay, so moving on, we haven't got any site news this week, I'm afraid. Nothing really exciting happening there. Lots of normal news, which Sam's going to cover. Yeah, I'm going to give it a go. Um, <laughs> so uh, one of our biggest stories, uh, if not the biggest story this week, was Doom is coming to Xbox Game Pass today. So this is great for me because this is one of those games I always nearly pick up and then never do. So, yeah, looking forward to that coming on, coming on especially with um, Doom Eternal coming up at some point in the future as well i reviewed that doom and it really really surprised me like if you haven't played it you should definitely definitely it's worth buying a month for game pass just to play through the campaign on that yeah it's one of those ones where i already like already really like the soundtrack as well i know it's got a really yeah really good soundtrack so yeah looking forward to getting stuck into that at some point so yeah that should turn up some point today if it's not already next up we've got red dead redemption 2 so this was yesterday uh four o'clock in the uk Rockstar finally revealed a decent chunk of gameplay. So um, so we saw Arthur Morgan and the Outlaws causing loads of trouble. Um, I think one of the most interesting things for me was it seemed like kind of across the open world, the, the Outlaw gang have to keep like upping sticks and taking their base camp with them because they're getting chased down by the law. And then they have to kind of set up camp somewhere else. And then that's kind of be like your main hub throughout the world but it's going to be like a movable hub which i which i thought was kind of cool i was quite interested in that if the hub is going to follow kind of a storyline in a sense or if you're going to have free reign over where you want to put it mm, that would be interesting i wonder whether maybe that's maybe even they could do it so that like you know you, you follow the story through but then maybe if it opens up after the story's finished maybe you can kind of like fast travel and and set that up wherever you can but yeah, it should be interesting. And um, overall, the footage looked insane. I've watched the trailer about three times already. Oh yeah, yeah. I keep spotting new things each time. But get yeah. me excited. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I and know they, they, they mentioned in the trailer, and I think IGN spoke a little bit about it when they did their IGN first thing, like when at those kind of settlements that you set up, these like jobs to be done and things like that, mm. and you can kind of spend a bit of time doing them, and then how. You, do stuff like if you go out hunting and bring back food it's gonna affect the sort of like morale of the group that you're mm. around you and stuff which sounds cool yeah because rockstar haven't really like of all the things they've done they've never really gone into that like branching narrative and like you're kind of seeing the impacts of your choices kind of thing that's yeah. not really what they've done before but it seemed like from this video they were saying like you can choose to be an honorable outlaw or a, or you know a scumbag um you know depending on how you how you talk to people and, and what they you choose to do so the original red dead had thing where jimmy if you i can't remember if you killed loads of people like a morale bar 
Right. I can't remember it really doing anything in the game. Yeah. I, I can't remember if, and you could, I know you could like wear like a mask and then if, if you shot somebody, it wouldn't affect your, like how you were doing, but I, I can't remember it doing much, but it seems like that's going to be a, a big chunk of this game, doesn't it? Yeah. And, um, yeah, they did say at the end of the video as well that there's going to be another another gameplay trailer at some point soon, going over the combat a bit more um, and some of the like side activities you can do. So that should be good. But um, we had a question from uh, Jason Parker at Epic Quiet on Twitter, and he was asking what feature are you hoping makes it into Red Dead Redemption Two? Mm, I hope flower collecting's in there again. <laughs> I saw a few people saying, like, are they going to make you skin a thousand horses again? Seeing as that trailer seemed to focus on, like, being chummy with your horse and, like, you know, growing up with it and being, like, kind to it. So it doesn't really, like, stack with what you used to have to do in, with horses in the previous game to get an achievement. That kind of gave me Metal Gear Solid 5 vibes, because in Metal Gear Solid mm. 5, you have a companion that you can pick for the mission. You've mm. got either a horse, um, quiet, or um, a robot, kind of. Uh, bipedal robot walker um but with quiet and the horse they both gain a level in a sense as you um use them for missions and it's almost like that tie with the horse it's gonna Mm. obviously sounds like it's gonna be more in depth and just something like that but yeah i think um for me i think what i'd like to see is like like we were talking about with the outlaw group like you know um like making your home wherever you can kind of thing. I'm I'm interested to see how that comes across in the online. Like if whether whether the online co-op in, involves you kind of having an outlaw group that you can travel with like that and you can kind of build up a base camp like as a group a bit like I suppose the um the corporations in GTA online that they've added uh, over the last couple of years like whether whether they'll bring something like that in because I think that could make it really interesting for me. Mm, that could actually, yeah, because you could have almost your corporation becomes your gang and then mm. set up a camp online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could be good. That's probably the most intriguing thing for me is the online, because yeah. I, I did enjoy the online in Red Dead, but I don't enjoy it in GTA 5, and I don't know why it's GTA 5 online doesn't me in i'm not sure what it is mm. so i'm really i'm just interested to see how big they go with the online like if it's a whole new thing like it is on gta 5 it's interesting to see what they'll do and what you'll be able to do be interesting to see how crazy they go as well if they're gonna kind of keep it accurate to the time in a sense or if they're gonna go like full-on crazy gta it has flying cars and stuff oh, like yeah. that now, doesn't it that's what I said on, on Twitter, actually. I said that the feature I'm looking forward to them revealing is that they'll put the car from Back to the Future 3 in there somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you get your horse and wagon up to 88 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So um, the next big bit of news uh, exclusive from us, we managed to find that the Xbox Store is going to have a Mega Man 11 demo coming to the Xbox One next month. So... Mega Man 11, um, a lot of people looking forward to this, I think, because um, it's a proper kind of Capcom sequel to to the series. I think there was a disappointing kind of spiritual sequel that was made by the original creator a few years ago, Mighty Number no. 9, um, yeah, which I, I think didn't go down that well. But but yeah, a lot of people seem to be looking forward to, to this demo, I think probably partly to see how hard it is, because obviously Mega Man is notoriously difficult. So the idea of being able to 
play a demo before you commit to purchasing and seeing whether you can even get past level one it's pretty good because i i bought the uh, mega man one of the mega man collections and i don't think i've even got one achievement in it because because <laughs> i can't do anything so um yeah quite cool to see a demo yeah, i've never played a mega man game so i might check the demo out just so i don't have to put anything on my tag and see what it's about yeah i mean it's you know it's, it's just kind of a, a classic combat platformer really but it's just got that super hard difficulty from from the old days you know the snares and the nets yeah. like just punishing like back when <laughs> back when players didn't demand that they could actually finish games you know like a game you had to last like six months because it was the only one you could afford so why not make it yeah. so hard that you can't even get past the first level <laughs> but yeah so so that should be good looking forward to to seeing that and then next up we have star wars battlefront 2 is getting a double xp weekend to be honest i i've never like ever since the the problems they had uh, when that first launched i've never really thought about getting into it but but um i suppose a few people are starting to get back into it since they removed all the microtransactions and this will probably help get people interested as well i, I don't know what it is with me with Star Wars battlefront when they did the first one i thought it looked amazing you know that it sounded amazing mm. i'm i'm not against like a, a multiplayer online game so shooters are my thing but i played the demo on even or the beta and he enjoyed it but i just never bothered playing either of them and i've got them like i i own the games i just i, I don't know why why i haven't been pulled in to try them out properly i think when you've got things like um like battlefield coming out as well and and like it's kind of do although it's star wars like unless you're really into star wars it is just like another like online multiplayer thing to do and if you've already got your one that you play and a lot of people will like I can't see that people outside of like Star Wars fans are really going to get into it, which is why it was so ridiculous that they were trying to like make people pay so much to get to some of those iconic Star Wars characters. It's, it's like the only people that want to play this are people who are into their shooters, but are really into Star Wars. And you're kind of locking out all of the major characters behind like ridiculous microtransactions. So yeah, but yeah, so um, yeah, so anyone who is playing it, um, yeah, you can get <laughs> double XP this weekend. Um, and I think that's, from yeah so uh three o'clock yesterday pacific time so yeah that's already started and it goes on until the end of the weekend until midnight so yeah get on that multiplayer is free this weekend on xbox live so they're doing another free weekend where anyone can play online whether you've got a gold membership on well sorry whether you've not got a gold membership then you can get online which is nice they're also making free for limited time i don't think we've got a time scale on it but yeah um the elder scrolls online is going to be free to download so you can play for free online and you can also download the elder scrolls for free so you can give that a proper go i think that the only reason i've got an achievement in that game is because i i downloaded it once um didn't like it but accidentally got too far and unlocked a, an achievement um so i might eventually go back through that a little bit uh, every time it goes free just for see if i can get another achievement or two <laughs> Yeah, not one that I've really got into. And then Onrush is also going free. So this is the racing game that kind of every reviewer thinks is great, but no one bought. Um, so that's going free this weekend. Uh, I, th I think I had a, a free demo on PlayStation a, a couple of weeks ago as well. So so Xbox are getting their chance. But um, yeah, so again, I don't think there's a time scale on that. But the free play day, so the, the online free event is until midnight on august 12th as well so yeah get as much multiplayer done as you like this weekend 
yeah, get stacking some of those uh, double boxing, full boxing, yeah. if that's what people are doing. <laughs> um, yeah, so that should be good. Then the other news we've got is that in FIFA 19, Alex Hunter is uh, being transferred to Real Madrid in the journey. So yeah, he's kind of, I think, coming towards, from what I could tell from the video, it seems like he's coming towards the end of his career. So maybe the journey in the future will be a different character or something like that. But yeah, so this time he's going over to Real Madrid and he's looking to make his name in the UEFA Champions League. And I think uh, last week, I think they said the UEFA Champions League is coming to FIFA Ultimate Team as well. So that seems to be the focus this year, this year anyway. Finally, we've got um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey had a new video come up. Um, it's one of the more substantial ones since it was revealed at E3. Um, and it basically talks about all that player choice that um, that they were kind of teasing at E3. Um, so obviously, as we know, you can play a male or a female character. But it kind of, what it implied to me was that it was like going a bit more like The Witcher 3, where like there's going to be a lot of sort of uh, incidental side quests where you can make sort of choices and... Um, that will have an impact on on the kind of relationships you have with the people or like, you know, how that area develops, which should be quite interesting. And it also told us that you'll be able to side with either Sparta or, or Athens in kind of the whole conflict, which I thought was interesting. Like you can you can yeah. potentially trade that off throughout the story, almost a little bit more like a like a Fallout game, maybe like where you've got kind of two factions, whether or not you'll have to kind of lock into one of those before you get to the end of the game. I would imagine you, maybe you would, but that should definitely make things a bit more interesting, I think. So you're, you're an Assassin's Creed fan. I am, yeah. And you probably like RPGs a lot more than I do. Are you happy with the way that the <sighs> franchise is going? I, um, I enjoyed Origins. Um, it seemed like the start of something again, like it didn't seem like particularly polished in some of the stuff it's trying to do. I think the main thing for me is that if they're going to do RPG, they got to do it properly, Like they've got to commit to it, like not just kind of like tack it on. Um, and so I suppose this video was kind of good for me because it kind of seemed like they were, they were making that more of a deal. But I suppose the only difficulty for me is like, cause like I, I kind of like the story um, in most Assassin's Creed games. Like, like it's, it's it's passable stuff and I kind of get into it like the idea of having all of this choice and two different characters to play like I don't know if it's going to take away yeah. some of that story stuff because when you play yeah. something that has this kind of choice normally like Skyrim or, or whatever like the story is normally the the negative point because people are like well it doesn't really go anywhere because you've got so many choices you can make like it's it's a bit too simple so I guess that's my only worry is that it's going to be like a little bit too vague to let you do whatever yeah. you want with it but but yeah it's it's it's, it's probably going to be a day one purchase because i'm an idiot so um <laughs> I, I love assassin's creed and i, I really enjoyed origins because it was rpg light it wasn't yeah like skyrim and i don't mind like i know rich was like oh no dialogue trees and stuff <laughs> he was dreading it like i don't mind that stuff but I, i'm hoping they don't go too far that way do you think they could appease the people that kind of don't want the heavy RPG elements by adding in an option to turn off dialogue trees and stuff like that and almost you play through the game with I suppose just a set list of consequences as opposed to you choosing yeah I mean I think as well like something like um like Mass Effect 2 like compared to Mass Effect 1 like if they can make sure that they're doing some RPG stuff but they're streamlining like 
the fiddly bits of RPGs. Like even The Witcher Three, I thought like the um, the amount of different things you could concoct in the menu and like all the different weapons and all the upgrades and all the oils and all that kind of stuff. That was all a bit too much. So I've got a feeling that they won't go that far with this. Um, and like the skill trees and the like weapon upgrades and stuff will hopefully be fairly straightforward um, and not need you going to having to gather hundreds of resources and stuff. So hopefully, if they can keep that that kind of level down i don't really mind some of the dialogue stuff because it seems like a lot of it's optional anyway a lot of a lot of what they were talking about in that video seems to be like all side quests so you don't even have to get involved with so um i think there's probably is going to be a way for everyone to play it hopefully so that's it for this week's news we've got some back compat news jack mm-hmm. so this week we had prince of persia which was the reboot on the xbox 360 um earth defense force 2025 and sign mora all went back and back. Is the Earth Defense Force the one where you fight in big ants and spiders? And stuff? Yeah, big um, kind of beasts, I suppose. An alien invasion. Yeah, so um, Prince of Persia, I actually, I said to Mark the other day when that went backwards compatible, I said, like, can we put that on playlist? Because um, I think it's a really interesting one. It was the one Prince of Persia where they went like cell shaded and stuff like back in 2008. And it was... Um, the guy who plays Nathan Drake was playing the prince and it was all a bit sort of different and weird and it has a really weird ending. So I thought that would probably be uh, quite a good one for playlists. So might see that come up in a future poll if I have my way. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. It um, played, for some reason, it reminded me a little bit of Darksiders. Yeah. Some of the traversal. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay, let's move on to some questions. And we've got loads this week, so if you didn't, get yours read out sorry there's just too many uh question of the week this week is from ames sond and he said because keep talking and nobody explodes is coming to coming soon to xbox what is your stance on replaying games you played elsewhere just for the achievements especially if you know you likely won't be able to finish the achievement list based on your past experience. Yeah, so I don't mind replaying games elsewhere at all, really. And it's if you get achievements as well, that's kind of a bit of a bonus. Um, but for me, it's mainly I've got some people, some friends that um, just play games on PC. And if I've already played a game on PC with them, then I can hop to the Xbox and play that with kind of a different subset of friends and mm. experience different things. So I, that's um, the kind of main factor for me. But um, if you do get achievements as well, that's, as I say, a bit of a bonus, which is nice. Yeah. I'm a bit of an idiot. And like, even though I don't really want to go and stack something, I will just go and stack it because I'm obsessed with that kind of thing sometimes. Like when we were playing um, Fallout New Vegas for Playlist uh, last month, I said I said to Mark, oh, I don't need to play that again because I've played it so much on Xbox. I've already got all the achievements. Like, I'll just talk about it. And then I ended up playing through the whole thing on Steam anyway. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit of a glutton for, for punishment when it comes to that kind of stuff sometimes, but same as Jack as well. Like my, I, obviously I'm writing on true trophies at the moment. My brother's got a PlayStation. So some stuff I'm ended up picking out twice. I've, I've, um, I've got overcooked on, on both, uh, and I'll probably end up getting it on the switch as well because someone else has got it on the switch. So, um, so yeah, that's that kind of game, especially when it's going to involve like, playing with family and friends and stuff. I don't really mind like splashing out to for a second copy and getting getting a few more achievements or trophies along the way as well. It's always nice. I'm weird in the fact that I keep buying games to stack them usually for the achievements mainly. Mm. And then I realize that I just can't be bothered playing through it again. <laughs> like 
GTA Five. Like I really enjoyed GTA Five, and then when it came to the three to the Xbox One, I was like, oh yeah, do you know these improvements and the visuals are better, and the, the story was great. So I'll play through that again. And then I just can't be bothered. Like I, it's, <laughs> it seems to be the ones I do it with the story based games, and then I just I've got no kind of will unless the achievement list's easy and quick. Like I've done it on like the Walking Dead, the Telltale ones and stuff like that. I've done them. But purely because the quick and easy score, like I, I, playing a long game, like during you know, Red Dead, say for example, mm. if they remastered that and brought a new, I don't think I'd be able to play through it. I'd probably get bored because I know what's happening, and it's to me the story bits is what kind of pulls me in and keeps me going with them long games. I I actually had a point where I I looked through my. This is when I stopped buying so much stuff in sales, but I've probably got at least sort of six or seven games where I've got both versions of it and I haven't even played it once. Because it's turned up in a sale and I've forgotten I've got it and then bought it again to like Shadow of Mordor, uh, Sleeping Dogs, Tomb Raider until I played it recently. Like I had both copies and even played it once. So yeah, I'm a bit of an idiot. <laughs> Sleeping, Sleeping Dogs is another one like I really enjoyed that. Yeah. On the 360 and then it came out early on in the Xbox One's life and there wasn't a lot of games around. So I was like, oh, I'll definitely play that again and then started. I just, just can't. Like, no. I, don't, I don't know where, <laughs> just don't get the same enjoyment after playing it again. Like, I don't, I, don't, I never really replay any games, you know, that are kind of like a story-focused game. I never play them again once I've finished. I'm kind of done. Yeah. Moving on, next question is from Dave Crow. And he's asking, so we mentioned it, a little bit earlier this week, IGN published a review for Dead Cells. I don't know if they did a written review, but it was regarding that the the video review was the issue. So the person who reviewed it published his review, then somebody else had reviewed it, and the videos were very, very similar in terms of the wording that they were talking about. Uh, there were some bits where he kind of... Looked like he just changed a couple of words, so the same kind of thing, but different words. And then other bits were like pretty much word for word the same. So there was a bit of controversy about that. IGN were pretty quick to act. It seems they pulled the video like as soon as it got out that that it might be a case that they've been copied. And I think they've now parted ways with the person who made the video. And I know they were talking about doing something like the money that the rate, you know, that was earned on YouTube video or ads, like maybe giving that to the guy. So the question from Dave Crow is journalistic integrity in gaming has been in the news this week since a now former IGN employee plagiarized a smaller YouTuber's review. What's TA's ethics and editorial policy for reviews? On the side panel for all our reviews, there's a link to our, Reviews and ethics statement. It's a few years old. It was written by our old editorial manager. Basically, the main things are we don't discuss or disclose review scores with any publishers or developers before it's published. Uh, we can't do. We can't edit any scores or anything like that. Like we had a, we had an instance recently where we published a review, and it was kind of. Mark had been away so, or something like that, so he, he got to the review a couple of days after it had been written and ready for checking. And in the time that he'd done that, the main faults of the review, the game had received a patch where they'd you know, addressed some of these faults. So 
he got in touch and explained and like we couldn't change the score that the score is what it is but we kind of put a little statement at the top to explain what had happened so like we'll do that but yeah we don't take any money surprisingly nobody pays us for review scores we don't get give favorable scores because like say sometimes we might have ads on the site the ads aren't anything to do with us they go through our ad network we don't even know usually what ads are there so that doesn't affect scores we always if it's like a story-based game we always make sure that the reviewer plays through the whole campaign like at least once and so they've got everything from the game that they can like we don't we notice sometimes sites will throw up a review when codes come out really quick and it's like have they actually played more than a few hours with <laughs> that <laughs> but yeah that's why sometimes ours will be late we say that we get a review on the day or day before release like we'll make sure we play the whole story and the the multiplayer bits and the different game modes before you write a review we always state at the bottom how long we've played it what we've played it on what game modes we've played uh how we've the review how we got the review whether it was somebody had purchased a copy just because they wanted to review it which doesn't really happen anymore or whether it's come from the developer publisher and that kind of thing and then we have mark normally sometimes becks depending if mark's not around but like he does the editorial check so he'll check it's all original and you know go through and maybe say like say, i think it's happened once twice to me where like he's asked your review might sound a bit negative or positive and like is the score right it doesn't sound that way from you know that what you what you described doesn't really match the score and that kind of thing so i think we do pretty well in terms of a whole round picture to try to be as accurate as possible yeah the only thing i was going to say is that it's kind of nice in a way like in terms of transparency that people can see exactly what we've played like on our yeah. site because <laughs> <laughs> like if we've got through the story if we're saying we got through the story you can you can go to our gamer tag and see that yeah we have well assuming the achievements kind of like have like you've completed the story or something like that but you know people can see that we're actually going through it and unfortunately it sounds like this guy um possibly maybe he was struggling with the game i mean i know it's a tricky game um maybe he just didn't have time to to get all the way through it and because no one can yeah. see necessarily what he's what he's doing on on his system he can he, he got away for it with it for a little bit but yeah it's unfortunate uh, and to be fair to IGN as well like there are ways if, if it was a written review there are ways that you can you know, just kind of search for you know segments of the review and see mm-hmm. if it has has you know if it has been copied like that but whereas a video review they probably had no way i mean i can't think of a way they could check to see if somebody else had made a video with similar wording you know so they've acted really quickly and in the right way i think yeah unfortunately i think um i think it was kotaku who saw that he had actually plagiarized i don't think this was for igm but he plagiarized before in a written review um so that was interesting. I don't think it was a first offence, which is probably why they came down so hard on it when they worked that out. But so I think they're re-reviewing it again now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'd have another review up by the end of this week. So from a different reviewer. That's a problem. Though. <laughs> now if somebody else writes it and or does the video and they get a different score, that, that's going to be awkward, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think um, in term in terms of the publicity for the game, though. It's probably done wonders for the developers of Dead Souls. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
and it probably helps as well that generally speaking, the reviews are really positive for it yeah. anyway. So it, yeah, well, it's been out on PC for a long time. It's just finally making its way to console, I think. I'm not sh- sure if it's early access on Steam or if it was. But. Okay, next question is from Adam. And he asked, your recent poll showed a decent percentage of gamers care about gamer score ending in a 5 or a 0. Also, many gamers care about their completion percentage and quickly earning gamer score in general. Do you think these things affect sales enough that indie devs especially especially should consider them for when deciding their achievement lists? I think they do. For obviously a huge title, it doesn't matter. A huge title, it has a budget to get adverts up and get some presents around. But especially for an indie title where they're potentially not advertising, it's all going to be word of mouth. Um, with communities like ours where achievements are achievements and gamer score people enjoy earning them and having kind of non-odd gamer score in air quotes. I think it should be a consideration because it does affect how many people pick up a game. Like if, uh, we've had a lot of ID games released recently with unobtainables mm. and that just puts people off straight away. If there's an unobtainable, it probably like 50% of people in our community wouldn't even touch the game at least. Yeah. Um, so I think it's definitely a consideration, but it's um, it, it's more about the design of the achievement list as well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if it had a couple of odd gamer scores, it doesn't matter as long as the achievements are kind of easy enough to get, then that'll claw some people back. But if the achievements are all very repetitive and grindy, that's the kind of thing that makes me... It turns me away from a game, I suppose. Like if it's all do X number of things, Y number of times, and you had five achievements for doing the same thing, just higher increments of that. That's always a bit of a turn off. But if uh, for an indie gamer, if it's an easy list, a good varied list, and an obtainable list, I think that would definitely increase the sales, especially within our community. Yeah, I am... Um... I actually wrote an article a couple of weeks ago um, on on TT about the Vita, saying that that basically this year some of the most some of the most played games of this year, so the most purchased games this year, are games that have ridiculously easy trophy lists. And and when one of the top ones was was generally speaking, most people thought it was a pretty terrible game, like not much to it at all. But the trophy list was really easy. And um, uh, and then I think Kotaku picked up on our article and then interviewed the developer, and he said. Um, that he had designed the trophy list like that intentionally because he's trying to fund a much bigger game. So it's something that indie developers, I think, are starting to realise, or at least the savvy ones are starting to realise, that the people that are going to jump on their tiny little indie game are people like, I don't know, like Macca and like PowerPix and people like that to say, hey, I'll chuck a YouTube video up, or like us as well on our streams to say, hey, look how many achievements we got. Um, and And... It doesn't matter that like achievement hunters are like a niche because if you're a tiny little game anyway, that you're not necessarily expecting to make big numbers. If you can get like, you know, a big chunk of that achievement hunting audience involved, then that's going to be a lot more money than you would make otherwise. So it's definitely worth like not necessarily making everything really easy all the time, but like making it engaging and interesting and not a pain in the ass to, to, to get through so so yeah it's definitely like i i've literally seen like an impact like it on the veto of like yeah the, the people aren't buying the big long confusing complicated um 
indie games at the moment they're buying the the breezy easy ones that that make sense to people so it does make a difference even if a game doesn't have much substance and even if it doesn't play well if it's at a low price point and it meets those kind of criteria you've mentioned, people will still pick it up. I think mm. a great example is Energy Cycle. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> just a puzzle game. It's dead easy. I think it was 15 achievements and it was finishing all 30 of the levels. You could do it in 15 minutes and it was 99 cents, I think, wasn't it? Mm. Or it was about two quid um, on sale a lot, though. And so many more people picked that up than would have done just because of the easiness of the list. Mm-hmm. Idea Xbox has like uh, some kind of guides and things in place, you know, for achievement lists, like suggestions on how to build them and what kind of things to put in. I definitely think the five and zero thing they should just tell people not to do because it will put off a certain number of people who just won't play it. In terms of the difficulty, I'm, I'm just happy if the difficulty matches the game. Like I wouldn't, I'd hate every ID developer to suddenly go, oh, we'll sell an extra 400 copies of our game if we make it easy. Sure. But then it was like Avatar where you get the achievements in the first minute and then there's like a three-hour story that everybody just skips and don't bother with. Like I wouldn't like them to do that. Like I'm happy with it kind of matching like some of the little walking sims are easy, but it kind of matches that the game plays like an hour long or whatever. But like something like Aero, like I'm glad it had a bit of difficulty to it because it kind of gave me a challenge, you know, to play through and keep repeating and try and get better so I could finish it. Yeah, I suppose really like the achievement list just has to, it's, uh, it's hard, must be hard to manage, but like it has to not outpace the fun, I guess. Like you can't, it, like so many games, like even big games, like they have like a good quarter of their list is stuff that like, you really have to do everything in the in the game to get there, and like you probably finished the main story hours and hours ago, and you know done you spent hours and hours in the side quests, and yet you're still kind of you know walking around trying to pick stuff up. And if you're if you're doing that because the last achievement you got ended in a two, like with No Man's Sky um, recently, like that is that is going to put people off. I mean, it's, it's it's kind of put me off. Like not like it's not the only factor in how I purchase something but it is a little factor and it might be the little straw that makes me go you know what i'm not going to bother because you know there's other, these other negatives i already have and if you're going to do that as well i'm just a bit like well, is it really worth it like um to me it's like it's less like i care about my achievement score ending in a five or zero more like they haven't really thought about this enough for me and that's that's kind of what puts me off i guess i suppose it's a weird one isn't it like i in their defense, I can't imagine they even realized, you know, when they, like, it was a, a cause obviously it was a PlayStation and PC game before. So they just, did somebody just say, let's throw some numbers at this and it's got our equal a thousand and not add any thought about it, yeah. probably. But yeah, I think ID should at least say, you know, like, you know, there's people who don't like this. So you might lose. I mean, what do you reckon? How many people do you reckon wouldn't have bought it? There's got to be a few hundred, up to a thousand maybe on TA who won't buy it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's a significant chunk of money, I guess. Yeah. Um, just a shout-out as well to... If you are on an odd gamer score, um, so it's not ending in a 5 or a 0, uh, we do have a feature on site where you can find achievements for ending specific, that are um, for specific um, numbers, so one gamer score achievements, two gamer score, three, four, six, seven, etc. 
Um, and we make it dead easy to find those and figure out which ones you'll need to earn in order to get back to a gamer score ending in a five or a zero. Do you know, it's funny, like, obviously, people on TA really care about that kind of thing. But I saw that, like, is it Alana Pierce? Is she called? Who used to work for IGN. I mm. think she's left now. She's quite a popular figure in the gaming world. And uh, she said, like, the other day, like, oh, these gamer score figures, you know. So even though she's probably not bothered about it and it's not going to stop her playing a game or anything, like, it, it's bothered her enough to mention it as well. So Yeah, sometimes it's it doesn't even bother you all the time. But if you're heading towards a big milestone, like, for me, I didn't care about it. But I cared about it when I was on like ninety nine thousand eight hundred and fifty two, and I was like, hmm, <laughs> I want to take that screenshot that looks really nice. So I was going back into like Sonic and stuff and finding, finding all sorts of weird and wonderful numbers. So yeah, I think it, it matters to people like when they're hitting those milestones, and and that can, that you know, that can make a difference as well. Okay, good question, Adam. Next question is from NDRW, and he asks, "What do you believe?" the adaptation of mouse and keyboard will be like, will Xbox start seeing some straight PC game ports of RTS simulation and other predominantly PC titles come to the Xbox? Um, I doubt they'd do straight ports, to be honest. I think they'd, the developers would have to make them work with um, kind of other peripherals, if that makes sense. So they've got to, it'd have to function to some capacity with a controller. Yeah, but with the functionality to plug a keyboard and mouse and maybe get the full user like um, PC experience, I think that we might see a few games that have already come out. Um, a bit like what Jack was saying, like it's it it's um, going to be games where they've already optimized it for console. They might start patching in this kind of stuff. So I'm thinking like City Skylines would be a, a classic one. Like they've Paradox are really starting to move a lot of their their sim games over anyway to console and they're, they're committing to kind of doing console controls. But I think that if they're kind of doing that anyway, they would see an advantage in going, Oh, also we've kind of, you know, you can switch back to PC settings to a certain extent to, to use mouse and keyboard. Um, so I think that those kind of people with less to lose because they've already released something will probably start adopting it first. So maybe like surviving Mars as well and things like that, like they'll, you know, there's if they're continually patching and updating the game anyway, and they've already got it to market, like they're going to be more likely, I think, to start adapting some of that in. And then if that proves to be a good test case, then maybe some of those developers will start moving over um, their more complicated uh, mouse and keyboard games as well, because Cities is fairly complicated, but in some ways it's also kind of simple, um, maybe more simple than an RTS, because um you know you can just kind of snap lock things in with with the console instead of like giving people free movement and stuff like that and because it's it's not combat related like you know if people make a little mistake because they're fumbling around with a with a controller like it's it's easily reversible but some of those rts games you know you can win or lose based on um based on reactivity like i think that it will probably be some time after they introduce mouse and keyboard and everyone's confident that it's working well before we start seeing some of those games come across. It would be quite cool. It gives the scope to potentially have cross-play between some of these games as well. Mm. At the minute, with an RCS on a PC and the Xbox, it just wouldn't work at all. If playing against somebody, the PC person's always going to win because they've got that kind of fine-grained control and better interfaces and stuff like that. Um, but if you can just plug in a mouse and keyboard on your console, it can figure that out and then 
match you potentially against people that are on a PC. It's kind of opens up a whole world of opportunities. I've got nothing really to add. I think we've covered it. Like last question this week is from Tyler. Um, he asks, with Madden 19 just coming out, do you think these annuals games could learn from Assassin's Creed Origins and take a year off to produce a better product? Well, I think we've got an answer for Madden 19. <laughs> I don't, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because like for the core mechanics, like you want it to play like a, you know, like a football game or whatever. I mean, yes, it probably they probably be able to you know address a load of the issues like these issues in FIFA, which are there every year, which don't seem to change. But I, I don't. When I, I don't know, I buy FIFA every year, but I like you know having the updated kits and the players on the right teams and stuff like. That. I mean, they could just release a big update for it and change all that stuff. But I mean. I think there's probably just about enough in terms of if you play FIFA a lot, I know these little thing videos that they come out with and go, oh, we've improved finishing or, you know, we've improved this. Then they, they do them little tweaks so you kind of notice them if you play the game a lot. And they also change, like, on FIFA, they'll change the tempo each year. You know, like, one year it'll be really quick pace, one then it might be a bit more of a slowing passing game the year after and stuff. So I kind of look forward to all them little changes. So... I I kind of happy with the the yearly release and knowing that you know it's going to be similar, mm-hmm. but I'll get to play with the right players and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think it'd definitely make a better game if you just said, right, we're not going to make one this year. We'll just do a patch for everybody for FIFA eighteen to get all the updated stuff for the year, and then we'll go in and really hammer in on all these little issues and change the little things that people are complaining about. Yeah, I think um, I think the thing is that. Yeah, they Assassin's Creed. They did want to take time off to make a better better product, but ultimately, the real reason they took that time off is because it wasn't making any money. Well, it was it wasn't making as much money. You know, after Syndicate, it didn't. They weren't making the same kind of money they used to be off of that series, and so ultimately, they had a they had a financial incentive to try something else. But something like Madden and FIFA, like it doesn't almost. I'm sure their sales are fluctuating, don't get me wrong, but they're still selling very well every year because of like the things you said, Dave, like people want their updated kits and stuff and FIFA is their go-to game and there's not many other options around. Yeah. There's no reason why they couldn't just, just carry on and try and patch what they can um, you know, as they go uh, each year, but they're not, they haven't got an incentive to take a year off because that's going to be a huge deficit in ea's financial reporting for the year like and and ultimately company like ea well like a lot of companies really that's 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 how they operate and they can't really they can't really take such a massive win out of their calendar for for their shareholders for that year like just on the on the off chance that they might be able to make some slight improvements i mean it's it's still a football game it still plays like a football game it's not as though they need a it's it's so fundamentally broken that they have to take it off market or anything like that. Like, yeah, yeah I can't, I, I mean, it'd be nice. Um, and maybe they should take, maybe a compromise would be that they take a year off something like the story mode, like, yeah. you know, take like drastically reduce that, make that more like an old fashioned career mode for, for a year or so, get some new writers in, get some, uh, different people to develop some of that, some of that section. Um, 
so it feels less throwaway and then bring that back in in another year like that would be one way to do it but i don't think they're going to pull the whole thing off the shelf it just seems it would, it would be a bizarre move yeah it, and it doesn't necessarily work either was it ea's nba game was it nba live or whatever it was called mm. like they took that stopped that making that for a little while didn't they? and it came out and it still wasn't great so. yeah yeah but I th- Assassin's Creed's a bit of an odd case as well, isn't it? Because Unity was such a mess that that no doubt impacted the syndicate sales, even though it reviewed well. Yeah. I know a lot of people were just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm done with Assassin's Creed. And then it, it does seem like a made. I mean, they, they obviously did change a lot of stuff for Origins, like in terms of, you know, it, obviously the 4K stuff was big and new and it just looked beautiful and obviously the little RPG elements and stuff like that obviously took a bit of time to work on, mm. but it seemed like more of a, a PR thing for them, didn't it? Like yeah. we'll take a year off and then people kind of trust the brand again that we've gone, all right, we messed up. Let's, we're going to take longer to fix it now. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Like, I think they started developing because they have so many studios. They started developing origins when unity around the same time as unity and that came out and obviously it was a disaster. Yeah. So syndicate, I think was already, far enough along the factory belt to to be coming out but they probably went well we're thinking of like you know going back to like story-wise going back to like something really far back in the past anyway like why not just like push it another year and kind of make it something different i think that probably as soon as unity came out they they knew that syndicate was going to suffer just because I, I had a, like people i were, have the feeling yeah that Syndicate was going to be a co-op. Do you know, like, they, they introduced mm. like the online stuff in Unity, yeah. but it was still mainly a single-player thing. And then the next year, they had the two playable characters, didn't they? And then it, I, I have the feeling that if Unity had come out and it had been perfect and worked as it should and everything was great, that Syndicate would have been like a proper co-op experience where yeah. you know you played as the two characters. And they realised at the end and went, "Oh no, we better not do that." Yeah, and it's also so in the seeds of like obviously like they had they've leapfrogged again because they had people liking the fact that you could play as um as either of the two characters in Syndicate, and then people were like, "Oh, I wish like you could just pick one of them." And so they've kind of leapfrogged that. You know, they had Origins, and then the following year they have they have two playable characters. So they're they're quite good at um like kind of case testing stuff every single assassin's creed game has a tiny little element of something that's a much bigger factor in the next one um which is why they're able to steam along so quickly but i think that because unity kind of threw a spanner in the works they just had to for lots of reasons they had to um they had to push it forward a year but i don't think it's something is like so it's very unique to assassin's creed i don't think it's something that um certainly someone like ea would not be able to sustain that kind of model where they're like continually like experimenting and testing stuff out to that degree like they they have to produce a football game that millions and millions of people are going to download and and you know if it worked last year then rather other than a few tweaks why not just kind of do the same thing this year and it you know it works it sells so i think you chaps have hit the nail on the head <laughs> uh, pretty much exactly the same i think it all comes down to finances if they can release a kind of an annual sports game every year and still make money, people are still going to buy it. They'll definitely do it. There's no point doing an update unless they did it as a paid update. But again, a paid update, you're not going to be getting the full cost of a title back and people would probably go be up in arms about that. Whereas if they see it as a new game that they're getting, it's probably not, not as bad. 
Okay, that's it for this week's questions. Thanks for everybody sending them in, and we shall get in touch with you, Ahmed Sond, and give you a choice of games to choose from for the question of the week. Moving on to new achievement list, Jack. Yep, so as usual, loads. Uh, first up, Dead Cells with 53 achievements. Then we've got Overcooked 2 with 26. Hyper Universe with 29. Um, we Happy Few. I think that's due out of game preview very soon, or might actually be out of game preview already. Uh, that's got 40 achievements. Um, ACA Neo Geo Metal Slug 4. Standard 12 achievements. Defenders of Ekron Definitive Edition with 13 achievements. The Walking Dead for Final Season with 48 achievements. Dead Age. It's quite different. Have you seen all the collectible achievements and stuff? Oh, I haven't actually. Hmm. It's interesting. <clears throat> it's not like the normal complete chapter one, two, three, four, five of episode one or whatever. There's a few collectibles. One of them it said, find all the collectibles in this chapter or episode, sorry, and then place all the collectibles as well. Mm, interesting. I'm hoping it's like three and not 400 or something. Mm. Uh, um, then up after that, we had Dead Age with 77 achievements. Um, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes with 10 achievements. And Socketeer with 27 achievements. And DLC-wise, it's just the one-pack this week. Got the Season 1 update in Warhammer 40k Inquisitor Martyr with 15 achievements for 225 gamers. Okay, let's have a look at this week's releases. So today, Madden 19 drops. We've got TerraTech and We Happy Few comes out today from Game Preview. So that's exciting. Might have to check that out. It looks good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then next week, next Tuesday, we've got The Walking Dead, the final season, episode one. That's on both the Xbox One and Windows 10. So you're uh, out of luck there if you've been playing them all on the 360, I think. I, don't, I haven't seen any mention of that this time around. Uh, we've got The Phantom Doctrine and Earhart Tales of Broken Wings. Uh, Wednesday, State of Mind, Hero Defense, Fern's Gate, and Graveyard Keeper. And then next Thursday, ACA, Neo Geo, Garou, Marks of the Wolves. Great. <laughs> Anything there that um, you'll be picking up? Mm. Uh, maybe. Um, I, I think I might pick up um, We Happy Few. Maybe. I, I might wait for, for sort of the full full reviews to come out um, on all the platforms and see how people react to it who've never never dabbled in it before like on playstation and stuff and and see whether it's worth it but it's certainly um i've seen a lot like when i've been writing the news i've seen a lot of the streams and stuff it certainly seems more interesting so uh might be tempted yeah i'm tempted by we have a few and the walking dead i'm a sucker so i'll buy it (laughs) even though it's going to be on sale on the following friday (laughs) like it always is but i just make sure i I buy it after you then yeah, just just hang on a few weeks. It'll definitely yeah. be the same. All right, that is it for this week. Thanks for joining us, Sam. You're welcome. And uh, thanks as always, Jack. No worries. And uh, we shall be back. Hopefully, we Rich will be joining us next Friday. Have a good weekend, everybody. The football season's back. Yay! <laughs> Bye. Bye. Catch you later. <laughs>